Happy New Year! Welcome to the first episode of 2024 of the Heavy Matters podcast. Uh, I'm Joey. I trust you all had a fantastic Christmas and New Year. It was lovely seeing everyone's album of the year lists being dropped and, and seeing what crossovers we had. And at this point, I'll welcome in my co-host, my brother from another mother, Venny, 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 Venny. How goes it? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Ready for uh, chomping at the bit for a new year of Heavy Matters content provision. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to this, actually, I must admit. even Yeah, we had our uh, AGM, didn't we, last week, just to... Uh, nail down the, the objectives for the year so uh yeah i'm looking forward to it mate yeah and we're both still on talking terms which is good three years into yeah. the podcast four years into the podcast now yeah which is no, nice. statements, no statements at the moment <laughs> um just before we crack on with the show benny um i just want to know uh if you've seen any other album of the year lists uh, floating around from the year and just quickly if you just sum up in maybe a minute or less your thoughts on 2023 in the heavy metal genre as a whole yeah I, I actually really like that time of year and I, I think I was saying to you that often after we've done our end of year lists and put that in stone and looking around other people's end of year lists you see albums popping up that maybe you haven't listened to or given enough time to and I actually end up listening to more music in December and early January despite they're not necessarily being the new releases than I do potentially for the rest of the year and I really love that little voyage of discovery of checking out these records that maybe you didn't give the full commitment to or hadn't heard of and so yeah i i i find there are a few albums that kind of pop up after that um that that might otherwise a major list potentially but yeah um so so yeah i i really enjoyed it in particular things like green lung which both of our boys um fletch and tony had on and health rap wars came out late in the year that i really liked i've seen 100 Gecks, which was on Bees, Terry Bees' list and been listening to that a lot over uh, Christmas and New Year. So, yeah, I, I really like that kind of time of year um, for, for discovering new music. What about yourself? Yeah, I I was, I was looking back onto this and I was thinking 2023 was a good year for metal. It wasn't a great year, like a Agreed. fantastic Agreed. year. I think we've since we've been doing the podcast, there has certainly been... Uh, previous years where it's been like you know trying to nail down the top 20 has been really difficult because there's Agreed. been you know it could be two or three albums that can make your number one spot so I think it was a good year I think 2024 is going to look uh, like a very good year there's um, there's rumours of a new Behemoth album coming um, there's other albums, Korea I think are due to release a new album so I think this is going to be a good year and like like you, once we get our end of year list nailed down, it's it's a nice respite for us where you can just listen mm -hmm. to what you want. Whereas, you know, throughout the year, we're sort of listening to new albums to try and get them. So I do like that time of year. And it also gives me an opportunity to go back and just listen to old albums that, you know, like uh, Tony was saying, he's done the Between the Buried and Me run through which is nice to do things like that that we don't usually get time to do so yeah i would say my list wouldn't change from when i uh submitted it to now nothing really would make a late run but i'm very happy with my list and 
Let's get stuck onto our first two albums of 2024, mate. And we're going to cover the albums of Mountain Caller and Rough Justice. So let's start with Mountain Caller, mate. If you remember rightly, they released their first album, Chronicle One, The Truth Seeker, in 2020. So it was it was when we pretty much started up Heavy Matters podcast. Yeah. And it was, uh, for those who don't know, um, Mountain Caller, a three-piece uh, instrumental band and we after we reviewed their last album we had the opportunity to speak to l um l reeve the bassist which was lovely and if i remember rightly benny we both really really enjoyed this this album um the new album is uh chronicle 2 hypergenesis and it's out on the 26th of january 24 what i love about mountain caller benny before i actually go into the music what i'm loving about mountain caller is it's great to be able to follow a band from when they start and we get to follow them on this journey. A lot of bands, for example, let's just throw Metallica out there. They were releasing albums long before we were even born. So we were playing catch up. But I love getting to witness a band such as Mountain Call and releasing their first album, which we covered. And then we get to follow their journey along with them. Do you yeah, agree, I agree with that? It's, it's a lovely, um, it's a lovely thing, and you feel a lot more invested, a lot more involved, and you can. I think you're in a better place then to just pick out those changes and evolutions that they throw in, as all bands do, uh, or most bands do, and um, you, you're a bit more attuned to those. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Have you ever seen the band, Joey? Or I don't think so. Uh, I've not. I've not either. <laughs> Let's um, drop the first um, Arc Tangent reference of the year. But yeah. they're, they're a typical Arc Tangent band, but I've never seen them there. Um, I don't know whether they're playing this year, but no, I haven't had the opportunity to see them live. Have you? No, no, but no. I, I'd be very interested to, for, for the reasons we've just said, but yeah. Yeah, cool. So um, I'll, I'll start off on this, mate. Um, while listening to the new album, Hypergenesis, I obviously went back to listen to the first album to see if there was any obvious comparisons um i'll just say from the start when i put on the new album and the first few notes um rang out of it it just felt like a warm blanket to me like you know it felt like a safe place and a warm place and sort of like i don't mean to sound cringe but sort of like being home listening to mountain caller again um there are some definite standout um, two two standout points for me, mate. I want to say to start with the first one is the songwriting on this album. I think they have absolutely owned their songwriting skills on this. Um, the, the tracks are so expansive; they really are writing brilliant songs, and their length of them, the arrangements of them, when to put in these little riffs here and there, really some hooky riffs, some real stonery riffs is superb. And the second point for me is the production has gone up a notch as well. And for me, that's the two standout points I'll mention for now. And I'll let you have your say on those if you agree or disagree. Yeah, so pick up two of those points in terms of that warmth that you feel. I think in these very cold and icy wintry conditions that we're in. I had snow over Christmas and we're in a bit of an Arctic blast up in Scotland at the moment. The sound is very warm. I mean, they have that. I mean, on the press release, it mentions for fans of bands like Mastodon, they do have that warm 
um, southern, fuzzed up. Stonery is one way of putting it, um, that fuzzed up sound. And yes, I do feel, I think that does bring its own warmth as well as the, your kind of familiarity and love of the music. But that sound that they engender has that warmth to it. The other thing that I feel I wanted to say during the review, but I mentioned now, as you've mentioned it, um, there's lots of comparisons you can draw with this band. One of the more slightly niche comparisons, and I don't, I know we watched them together for the second reference at Art Tangent last <laughs> year, but um, Percy's Metal Hands, which is a combination of Pine and Conjurer, they have this kind of um, offshoot band, and they also do these long instrumental passages that have stonery vibes, have proggy vibes. But the 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 comparison I want to draw is that they the leads feel very major key, very uplifting, very it's not kind of icy minor key black metal. It's very major key, uplifting, soaring. And I also think that contributes to that warmth that you kind of feel as soon as you put the record on. The second point was the progression. And yeah, I think undoubtedly there has been a lot of progression between the two records. I think they are always quite a progressive band in terms of drawing lots of different influences. But I think they've widened that palette out even more with this record. And you can see much more, many more disparate elements that come in on this record that maybe we'll talk about as we go through some of the tracks. Yeah, bang on. The um, other thing on this, this, this record, which took me by surprise, uh, was the additional vocals. Yes. Which, which... So, so the, the the first album was purely instrumental, um, and it did catch me off guard a bit with the vocals coming in. And I'm 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 interested to hear your thoughts on it, Venny. Whether it was a pleasant surprise, and or or was it ah uh, they've sort of gone away from what they did on the first album. Uh, no, I, I I liked the inclusion. So first of all, it is worth saying of all the six tracks, um, there's only vocals on the one track, which yeah. is Dead Language. It's, I mean, it clearly stands out, doesn't it, as their sole track to include vocals so far. I mean, I think, I think it's a great track, and I think it does just adds another string to the bow. It increases the interest. Look, I do think um, we are somewhat involved in this kind of post-rock world now, post-metal, for want of a better word, having, you know, again, been to Art Tangent and been immersed in that culture for a while. But I do think that for your commoner garden metal fan, post-rock and instrumental music seems a bit of a stretch away at times. Um it is a bit less conventional than the first chorus kind of music that they might be used to. So I think to include tracks like this, um, do you know, it just increases the variance, it increases the interest, and it might in increase their appeal. It might draw someone into that track that then could go on to enjoy more of the instrumental music and then maybe explore a bit more kind of post-rock, post-metal instrumental music. So, yeah, I, I, I thought it was an overwhelming positive. I absolutely agree when when it came in and you know I, I when i was listening to it, that it reminded me a bit of cami from oceans of slumber i don't know if that resonates with you but it was that sort of 
calm sort of vocal because obviously there's no need for screams or growls due to the um the progressive rock or whatever you want to call them post metal it was just such a lovely almost bluesy sort of relaxed vocals which like you said just add an extra layer and you know it was instrumental to try and record an album just for instruments to tell the story can be quite difficult but they do it very well and this album to me is more of a journey again not to use the cringe word but it is a journey that you know you sit down and listen to it with a good set of headphones you know in a darkened room and it is like going on a sort of like a little adventure and the addition like halfway through of the vocals was, was just such a pleasant surprise and by no way takes away anything else from the album Agree, agree. I mean, to pick up on that point a little bit, I get what you're saying about Cami promotion Sonda. It, she obviously has a very operatic, high-pitched, uh, not high-pitched, sorry, operatic and, um, yeah, expansive, dramatic vocal range, whereas this is a much more understated vocal performance in a way. That a lot of that track, you might not like, you might balk a little bit about this, but it was almost indie-ish in the way it had that kind of guitar picking behind it and the slightly understated vocal. But I thought that just worked, that worked really well. And clearly this is something they may be trying out and whatever else. And I think it, it works really well and yeah, adds to the variability of the album. And yeah, it doesn't take away from their core, which is that this instrumental storytelling, like you say. And I'm just going to touch on the next track off the album, track four, Into the Hazelwoods. This track, like, put a massive beaming smile on my face. And the part I'm talking about is, it's about halfway through, maybe a third halfway through, where they go into this rush, rushy-esque, noodling like passage which i mean you you might know another comparison but the only one i can think of at the moment is that rush-esque sort of do, do you do you know what i mean yeah rush is the exact band that i've got uh written okay. down in my notes uh, i mean the bass work throughout is always good with mountain cooler yes. i mean l was very talented uh musician and technically really good and the bass forms quite prominent part of the music and you know that is important when you're instrumental and relying on the music to tell the story and i think throughout the two records the bass is a really prominent part but yeah it go it really pops on this song in particular and rush is the exact um the exact comparator that i've got and the fact that so just to touch on the bass there as well mate um you know the it's really prevalent in this record as well like the way it's been mixed and I always, I'm a stickler for when bass is buried in the mix. Like I love, and it it's more important on records like this, like progressive rock, where, and as there are three pieces as well. But I'm really glad that the, the the way the bass has been added in the mix is really prevalent throughout, and none more so on that we'll call it the rush section. But uh, Max on the drums as well. I think he's really stepped up his game, and. The fact that this track then goes from that rush section and you think it's ended and then comes back in again, just that's what I mean about their songwriting. Yeah, I I, I think this is a really, really the standout track. And the other yeah. like intro the other interesting thing about this track, and it's a really really quite specific sound that um I think it conjures, but it kind of breaks down a little bit after that very expansive proggy um bass 
passage but then it breaks down and it, it's got this kind of sound effect that to my ear sounds exactly like this sound effect that Rob Zombie uses quite a lot <laughs> and um it just this kind of whistly sound and um if you listen back to it you might know what I mean uh with regards to that and it is funny how these like individual sounds can be so starkly reminiscent of one band like just to go back a, a bit when we we're talking about those other albums that you found there's a hundred gex song and they use this sample that's so specifically from cypress hill that you can just be like i know that's exactly the sound that cypress hill is using and this this sound is similar to me but then after that it goes into this solo and they're not like they include solos but it's not a center point of the band given that they are instrumental but the solo on that is this kind of dirgy almost alice in chainsy grungy solo so you can see just on that track alone they go in so many different places and um yeah that that's part of what what their selling point is i guess and I think that goes back to your point you made earlier, mate, about how they've gone and expanded their palette and included other things. Like, for sure, this, you know, from the first album to this album, they haven't just discovered, like, Rush or Alice and Chains in between there, but they've certainly incorporated a lot more and expanded their songwriting, like I was touching on. And this is, this is a perfect example. I think uh, track one, Daybreak, um, for me and uh, Into the Hazelwoods track four are the two standout tracks for me. I think track one certainly um, sets the picture of being back in yeah. with... It's really bright, it's really lively. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, like you say, that warmth really comes through. Clean guitars, really popping bass on that track. So yeah, yeah. I agree. And there's like hooky riffs on there as well, which, you know, you know, and... and Again, kind of the songwriting, they've done it really well where it ebbs and flows really nicely. It builds, yeah, it crescendos up to it, it kind of builds with that snare towards the end in, in, yeah. in quite a, you know, in a post-rock post -rock way. But yeah, yeah, I agree with that summary. I think for the first album for us to review of 2024, this is a nice little opener isn't it would you agree it's it is nice yeah it is nice can i just i just wanted to throw one more band as means of comparison in um and interested to hear your thoughts on it but again not obviously vocals aside but coheed and cambria are a big band that chime with me coheed obviously are very proggy as well go on these huge sprawling instrumental turns and um but the, but the, obviously the other obvious means of comparison is that kind of storytelling the sci-fi concepts the kind of the visuals that come along with the records and um they're clearly got this sci-fi story that are trying to relate and relate between the two albums and for an instrumental band that's clearly quite difficult to do but i think they do it in a good way but yeah coheed and cambria are the other the counterpoint um reference that i had for this record well, well i'll throw one back at you then because there's times in this album and it's not necessarily because the band i'm comparing them to are instrumental as well there just are certain elements that i hear and it's by curious with that sort okay. of poppy sort of guitar sort of tone they have which is another yep. one like i said there's splatterings here and there where i'm like oh that sounds very similar and look that's by no means a negative comment because by Curious are a great band. Um, yeah, so, I mean, first rating of 2024, 
Danny, I'll hand over to you. Yeah, I've got 7.9 for this. It's a high first rating of the year. Very good. I'm going for a flat eight for me. Okay, nice. Nice. Um <clears throat> yeah, like we've we've said loads about it, but what a great band. Hopefully we'll get to chat to them um soon about this as well and, and hear their thoughts and what they think of what we've said and they can dismiss everything we've said and laugh us off the park. Quite but right. Quite yeah. right. uh Mountain Caller Chronicle 2 Hypergenesis and it's out on the 26th of the first. And it's on Church Road Records. So a good start for Church Road. And <clears throat> on to the second and final review of the of the first episode of the 24. <laughs> that's the, it. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah. Thank God for that. <laughs> uh, we just keep re, re, retweeting this. Have you listened to this episode and just hope to gain some traction? Uh, the next album is <clears throat> by a band called Rough Justice. The album's called Faith in Vain. It's out on the 12th of January on a little record label um, that was set up by Malevolence. And the label is called MLVLTD, which I only assume is Malevolence Limited. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, it's on the Malevolence label, Rough Justice. And Venny, my understanding is this band has been around for a bit and they've been sort of writing music here and there. And then they basically, my understanding is, Without malevolence getting involved, this record may not have been seen the light of day. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but does that sound correct? Yeah, no, they have been around for a while. I've definitely seen this band once or maybe twice um, on the kind of packages with malevolence. So, yeah, they've been around a while, um, but I've not necessarily dipped into any of their previous music. So, so yeah, it was, it was good to... Um, good to review this especially coming off the back of malevolence releases and um also the guilt trip release uh who are another band who have come off which i did a review for the website for so yeah i was pleased to um pleased to review this but well we're going to try and keep the malevolence references to a minimum while we're doing yes. this there is one obvious connection in this in that josh plays drums for rough justice so what a talented bugger, huh? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> let's just, okay, so let's just, for me right then, <clears throat> this is not a comparison to Malevolence. I think this Rough Justice album has more leanings towards new metal for me in some of the tracks. Um, but I just, you know, with Josh's <laughs> drumming on it just makes me sick that he's talented enough to play lead guitar for Malevolence and write all these great riffs and then can just jump on and put out an album like this playing drums and double bass, which I saw a clip a while back of him just recording. I was like, it makes me sick that guys like this is so talented. But yeah, to be yeah. fair, he's, he's put in the hours. So yeah, he's a bit of a superstar. I think he's maybe goes under the radar a little bit but i think he's starting to get his props now for how talented he really is because do you know with malevolence obviously there are other things to focus on do you know with alex and the who's quite a compelling vocalist you've got um conan who's who does the guitars and those soaring choruses so so there are other things to focus on but yeah i think he is a bit of a superstar so this album then, Benny, from the 
for me, from the open riff on Coward, you sort of know where this album's going. And if you start off with an isolated guitar riff and feedback, you know, you've sort of got me by the knackers, as they say. Um, I think <clears throat> vocally, it's quite an interesting technique that um, the, the vocals use. It's not your straight up sort of hardcore. And it, that's most um, prevalent on track three, which is called... Thank you, thank you. Um, which has this really hooky chorus and sing-along chorus, but it's more clean. And that's what I mean by there's new metal influences there, sort of aching towards new metal. Do you see where I'm coming from with that reference point? It's, it is not actually something that I picked up on. I would say of the MLV LTD bands, guilt when we're looking at Guilt Trip as well and Malevolence and Rough Justice, I'd say Rough Justice are probably the most straight ahead in terms of having that uh, West Coast, um, so, sorry, um, East Coast US hardcore influence. They seem the most straight ahead and the other bands that I mentioned do seem to have a bit more variance and other styles that go into their music. But yeah, I do think they have they have kind of opened up a bit more on this record, and that chorus in particular on Faith and Vain really um, really stands out, and it's a really strong point of the record. I, I mean, going back to this, I I really like the first track, Coward. It isn't necessarily the most obvious track to start the album with. In the, often with this, you expect them to go for the juggler straight off the bat with something really quite heavy, something fast. And this has got a slightly slower pace. It, it does end with a, a good sample from yeah. Shoes, uh, which I liked. Um, but then, yeah, I think it gets the album gets really strong in the centre with Faith in Vain, which you mentioned, with that clean sun chorus, which is, do you know, starting to become archetypal of, of these three bands now but I think nevertheless they do execute it really well. Rusting is an interesting kind of segue track There's a, it, it's kind of quite clean pick guitars, pianos it's an instrumental it's got these kind of industrial kind of soundscapes that go over it and then it finishes with some nice bird song, which you don't always get on a uh, brutal hardcore record. So yeah. that's, that, that was a definite plus for me to have bird song on a, on a hardcore record. Um, but yeah, that that track to me just showed that there was something more going on here than just a straight up hardcore release. And then when it comes, um, it's just a slower, more groovy track that comes back in. And again, it's just quite irresistible just to bang your head to like um so i thought that midsection was really strong in this record um and does show for despite what i say about them being the most straight ahead of the three bands that i've mentioned i do think there is more going on here do you think the third uh, sorry the fourth track rusting do you think it was necessary to have on the album do you think like you said it was to you know showcase what they have not just been a straight up hardcore band yeah i mean the the record's 24 minutes so it's not like they are <laughs> bloated tall like kind of uh going ott I, it, I think it's quite a nice little it kind of comes nearly halfway through the record I, and i do think i mean maybe i'm reading a bit more into it but that 
I don't know if it's kind of commenting on some of the demise of industry in the UK or if in, in Sheffield more specifically with the oh. steel industry. I may be reading more into that than, than um, it's possibly meant to be. But I, I thought it's good. I thought it was really good. And yeah, the rest of the album, it's got these kind of the classic elements of a really good hardcore record, those pinch harmonics, those almost yeah. machine heads kind of pinch harmonics that go through the big, fat guitar tone so yeah it's got all those other elements that you'd want but i do like the inclusion of these other little bits and pieces but you should mention the machine head uh reference there because i also had that during the faith in vain track it has almost like this davidian double bass role in it which i mean <clears throat> coming from josh you would expect that i mean he's a, a huge metalhead but there was certainly uh elements of that as well that i mean <clears throat> This is more up your street, mate. This is definitely more up your street. Um, but for me, 24 minutes of an album, and it absolutely flies by. I mean, I was listening to it, and before I knew it, the first track came back on again, which is always a good sign for me. I think there's plenty on this for a lot of metalheads that would enjoy it. I, I, I don't think they're pigeonholed themselves, because like you said, there's plenty in there, plenty of variety. I think... I, I really like the vocals on this album. I really do. I think that they're, they're quite expansive and they're not just screaming down your throat, sort of like, I'm just going to say Jamie Jaster because it's the first one that came into my head, but there are lots of variances on it. Again, going back to the chorus and Faith in Vain. But, you know, if, if I'm taking a hardcore record, this is right up my street. Plenty in there to keep me interested. The runtime is textbook. And, I mean... I'm going to mention it, but, you know, the Malevolence comparisons. Malevolence are a great band. Rough Justice, for me, I could take either or. You know, I, I would not be, if they were at a festival, I'd happily go see Rough Justice and uh, for caveat to stay on the edge of the pit because I'm not getting involved in any more Malevolence mosh pits at my ripe age of 40 years old uh, coming up. Yeah, no, it's. I think it's quite an interesting little sub scene to keep your eye on and, and i i think for anyone who likes this i would very much point them in the direction of the last guilt trick album severance so i thought that was really really good and i saw them um with silosis and malevolence at the end of last year live and they were really really good so um yeah i think it's an interesting little scene that they've got going on here and it's really good like it just shows um we're, we're not here to talk about malevolence but it does show what they've kind of fostered and engendered with that um that imprint and that label and how they're not just out for themselves but they are kind of looking to develop more of a a wider scene or whatever else so yeah i i mean i think it, it's real this record is really good and a another positive thing to come out of that area well said, well said. Well, I'll, I'll start this one, mate, uh, for my rating, because you're the last one. Uh, I'm going to go for a 7.3 for me. Um, it's strong. Like I said, it's not really my scene, but this album does not offend me. It's good fun, nice and short. So, yeah, 7.3 for me, mate. I had 7.2. So, yeah, oh, a million miles off. Lovely stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's um, Rough Justice and the album's Faith in Bane. It's out this Friday, the 12th of January. And that concludes our first show of 2024, mate. It has been an absolute pleasure sitting and chatting to you about music again. Um, we'll have another show out 
next week all go well we're, we've started our, our new year's resolution again is to be on the ball and get shows out regularly which we to be fair we start we start off well yeah like it's we sort of, resolution yeah it's, it's basically like watching arsenal you know they start well and then just fade off towards the towards the end of the year oh boom drop that in thanks mate <laughs> um so yeah and uh, with a few things in the pipeline as well um that we're working on so stay tuned for that but until the next episode thank you very much for joining us benny i will see you next week cheers man cheers